It's Vilas Daily on the new 105.5 Sports, live from the Spectrum Healthcare Partner Studios here in Auburn. Happy to have on the phone the sports editor of the Boston Herald, formerly of the Lewiston Sun Journal, Justin Pelletier. And Justin, it's just a matter of a couple days here till we got the Super Bowl. Uh, how, how's the Super Bowl section with the Boston Herald website coming? What do you guys got covered right now? I know Media Day was the other day. What stories came out of that, if anything? <laughs> Uh, no, there's, there's nothing going on right now in the Super Bowl. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, nothing uh, at all. Wow. <laughs> Slow news day, I guess. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's, you know, we've reached the point of the week where it's, can we just play the game already? Yeah, right? yeah. I mean, that's, that's really, at, at this point, that's kind of what you're you're hoping for. Uh, yesterday was the last day where uh, the teams were made available to, uh, to the public and to the media. Um, so a lot of the stuff that you're going to see and hear and read for the next couple of days from any outlet down at the Super Bowl is going to be stuff that they've gathered earlier in the week, uh, maybe some conjecture, maybe some predictions, that kind of thing. Uh, but there is no more official media availability between now uh, and the game. So what you what we what we see is what we've got. Um, our team's put together a really comprehensive package all week. I've been really proud of them. Uh, we had 12 stories uh, in yesterday, counting our special section. Uh, might have been 13. I can't remember exactly, but it was a lot. Um, some really good looks at some, some behind-the-scenes folks from Dante Skarnecchia uh, to uh, Shane Waldron of the Rams, uh, who used to work under Belichick. Uh, talked to John Johnson, the former Boston College Eagles standout, uh, who now for the Rams. And so we've been, you know, mixing things up and, and getting uh, more than just the Brady, uh, Belichick, uh, Gronkowski kind of stuff uh, this week. And it's been really fun to read and really uh, a lot of good extra stuff. Uh, one thing I noticed that you um, you republished an article you originally wrote for the Sun Journal uh, in 2014 about women's ice hockey. Tell us about this article, kind of um, what what originally happened to prompt you writing that article, and what what prompted you to write it to publish it again, I suppose. Well, the, the original was written in uh, 2014. It was a, a Mother's Day column that I wrote um, uh, in in 2014. It was published. Uh, three weeks after my kids were born. Um, and it was my hope uh, at the time, uh, thinking um, that uh, it was my sincere hope that women's sports and women's hockey, but not, not just women's hockey, but women's sports in general, uh, were thought of as more of an afterthought um, that, um, you know, that, that you wouldn't look at uh, someone having a child like we were. We had two girls, twin girls and say, oh, automatically, oh, two little cheerleaders, right, or two little, you know, girl soccer players, and not think about the traditional gender biases that we, we see, um, uh, you know, in those kind of things. And sadly, this past week and a half or so, we've seen some of that rear its, its, its ugly head with uh, the women's hockey players from the U- U.S. and Canadian women's national teams that participated in the uh, National Hockey League All-Star Game or all-star festivities last week uh, where they were asked to demonstrate events. One of them, Kendall Coyne Schofield, uh, actually went uh, and participated in an event and, and competed along the men and competed with the men. It wasn't just a token, here I am. Uh, she didn't finish last. She, she was her time that she clocked in the fastest skater, actually would have won the fastest skater a few years back. So, you know, it, it proved that they were, they were right alongside. And so with that, uh, NBC Sports Network on their Wednesday night hockey brought 
Kendall Coinsfield Field on as a guest analyst. They had her spend a period with Pierre Maguire uh, between the benches along the boards, and then the last two uh, periods she spent in the booth uh, uh, with the broadcast team uh, calling the game. And there were some comments, and, and you can debate whether uh, Pierre Maguire meant anything by the comments he made. I don't have to repeat them here. Um, you know, he released an apology saying they were, you know, in jest and he was uncomfortable and he was trying to make things light and fun and whatever else. But it, it, to me, it struck a chord because it reminded me of the column that I had written and, and how little had really changed in the five years since I had done so. Uh, and so I, I wanted to, I wanted to make that, that re, remake that comment and say, I hope, look, you know, my girls are almost five now and I'm hoping by the time they're playing sports competitively and, and especially by the time they have their own children, if that's their choice, to play sports competitively, that things have changed and that it's not looked at as a second-class kind of venture. And, and that's, that was really the whole impetus behind it. You know, Justin, when uh, when my kids started playing hockey, when they were mites, uh, my wife and I decided to, before that, to get into coaching. So by then, Josh and Aaron were both mites, and, and uh, they asked us to take a team. And they came to both of us. So we looked at each other. And uh, I said, you know what? I think we probably agreed on this. She probably said the same thing. There, there are no female coaches. Why don't you coach the team? I'll be your assistant. And during the games, if we've got somebody else to open the door, I'll go up and sit in the stands. You know, I'll be at practice every time. And, you know, you would not believe how much flack she got for being a woman coach in ice hockey. And I don't know how well you know my wife, but she's as good at it as it gets as a coach. She knows the sport. She could watch a kid skate and say he needs to have his inside edge resharpened because it's throwing off his balance. I mean, she's that, that kind of a technician, and she really knows the sport. You wouldn't know it and listen to him. And when she does the clinics now, it's gotten a little better maybe the last couple of years, but most of the guys just sit there saying, well, it's a woman. She doesn't know anything about hockey. And even though she does the level one clinic for the whole state of Maine, they, they would look at her like, well, she doesn't know anything. It's incredible. It, it, and that's exactly it. And you see, you know, the, the, the sport itself for girls uh, and, and Lewis and Auburn Youth Hockey really did uh, do a really good job. They had, they've had girls teams uh, in the youth hockey uh, uh, realm for, in Lewis and in Auburn for uh, a couple of decades now, even beyond that. Um, St. Dominic Academy was one of the first schools in the state to have a dedicated girls team that they treated even though it wasn't a varsity sport by the main principals association uh they treated it as a, a varsity sport even though it was a club team uh even back in the early 90s and, and that was great to blaze that trail locally for the for the girls hockey program but lately it's just i mean you've seen it grow and that's great that's a great time for the game uh there, there's no reason why it shouldn't um but you've seen you know some some uh uh, great young women have come out of the Lewis and Auburn area and gone on to play in colleges uh, at the, both Division three and Division one levels now, and, and it's growing fast there. It's growing fast across the country, um, and that's an opportunity I want for my girls. If, if that's what they want to do, whether it's that or, or uh, baseball, softball, or, or anything else, but it, to me it's the attitude of, of treating them as second class uh, in a sport that's traditionally dominated by men, and I don't think that's fair. Um, and, uh, you know, this is a great tease-in, actually, to something that uh, our, our, uh, one of our Bruins writers, uh, a young woman named Marissa, um, she's been working on a project that will probably drop in the Herald next week 
uh, talking about women in hockey, and it's, it's, it's eye-opening, and it's, and it's an incredible uh, piece that she's putting together, and I'm really hoping that it, it, uh, it breaks a little ground, uh, especially in the Boston market, which is such a big hockey market, and there are so many good uh, girls and women's teams in the Boston area. Heck, you know, between Boston and Worcester, there are two professional women's hockey teams here. Um, one in Boston, one in Worcester. Uh, you know, the the with the uh, the women's bean pot uh, goes uh, on Tuesdays after the men's bean pot next week and the week after. Uh, the colleges around here have some fantastic women's programs, and the girls' hockey programs at the prep schools here uh, and at the high school level are all really solid too. So it's a great hockey market here, and we're hoping that that uh, that little project that we've undertaken really kind of stirs uh, stirs some emotions and stirs some things down here. Justin, when my daughter was uh, went to college, she went to Connecticut College, an ESCAC school. Are you ready for this? She was the only kid from a public school on the team, the only one. Everybody else sure. was in prep school. Now that's changed well, I now. Remember, I went to I went to school at Lewiston High School when I was there um, plenty of years ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, on the the, uh, the boys hockey team while I was there won a couple of state titles. Um, uh, the, the 1995 championship is the one that, that comes to my mind because uh, one of their third-line wingers uh, was uh, a young woman named Katie Lachapelle. Sure. Uh, who, uh, who since then has gone on to coach. Uh, she played at Providence after that. Again, she played at a Division One level. Uh, she played at Providence, and then she's gone on to coach. And uh, uh, next year she's, she's been announced that she's going to be the head coach of the Holy Cross uh, women's program. Uh, over in Worcester, uh, beginning next uh, next season, she's uh, replacing a retiring coach there. So uh, she was at BU for a while in Niagara and, and uh, other places as well. So you know, it's even back to that to that point, Maine has had a, a strong tradition of, of turning out young women who can play the game, and I think that's important to note. Um, uh, and there are many now who you know play at St. Dominic or at Lewis and who have gone to prep schools and have those aspirations as well. And you know, those, those trailblazers in our in our community were important to have. Yeah, Lewiston girls ice hockey right now, 17-0 and 0 this season. <laughs> they are rolling. They have one regular season game remaining. They're hosting Cape Elizabeth, Wayne Fleet, South Portland on Saturday, so tomorrow at 3 o'clock. But they're at the top of the heel points. But Everett Little is strong, 13-3, and three, and St. Dom's is strong as well, 12-4-1. So some really good hockey teams, boys and girls, in the Lewiston Auburn area for sure. And those and- – Right, and those three uh, have kind of taken turns over the, the since the Maine Principals Association has uh, sanctioned the sport. Um, any one of those three, at least, uh, has been in the conversation for a state title or a regional title uh, every year since they uh, since they, they uh, adopted it as a as an official uh, sport through the MPA, and it, it's no surprise. Um, you know, and same way with uh, overall since since the beginning of. of uh, of boys hockey back in 1929 when it first was officially sanctioned by the MPA. Uh, a team from the Lewis and Auburn area has always been a strong too, but it's, it's nice to see the women and the, and the girls getting recognition for it now as well. Um, that it's such, a, it's such a strong hockey market in general. Absolutely. Well, switching gears a little bit to basketball, Kyrie Irving's in the headlines because of his impending free agency <laughs> and all the moves people are making. What are you hearing down there right now? <clears throat> Uh, our uh, our Celtics beat writer uh, Steve Volpet, one of the, one of our Celtics beat writers, uh, Steve Volpet, uh, had a very very good analysis of the whole thing. He's uh, he's pretty tight with the team and and with the with the brass and uh, you know it was kind of like cutting through the noise 
uh, kind of thing. Um, so the reality is all these teams are making moves and speculating and that sort of thing. But there's a couple of key points to remember uh, in all of this is that when, when Kyrie Irving early in the season first said that, uh, you know, made his announcement at that green and white game that uh, he was planning on retiring uh, or not retiring, had planned to have his number retired uh, by the Celtics and, and wanting to be uh, a member of the Celtics going forward and he was going to resign, you know, basically like a verbal commitment, right, like you hear in college. Um, the night before that, he had his teammates and the brass over to his house uh, where he told them of his intentions uh, privately first. Uh, he, you know, I don't know that he does that if he has any intentions of leaving. Now, could he change his mind? Of course he could, right? But at the same time, you see now the reports coming out that the L.A. Lakers have tried to call the New Orleans Pelicans about moves, uh, about a trade for Anthony Davis, and the, and the Pelicans haven't even picked up the phone. They haven't even entertained that. Because I don't think that the New Orleans Pelicans brass is uh, so enamored uh, with the way that went down and with Anthony Davis's agent and, and uh, often to be LeBron James's agent, too, of course, uh, how that went down. Uh, the whole, the, the Knicks making the moves they made. Uh, you know, if I'm a superstar player and I've watched any basketball or seen anything about the business of basketball in the last five, six, seven years, why in gosh name would I want to go to the Knicks, right? I mean, they have, done, they have done nothing to prove that they can, even when they've tried to emerge as a team that was a contender, they've done nothing to prove that they can actually do it. I think someone uh, tweeted the Knicks were the fire festival of uh, NBA basketball teams. <laughs> <laughs> My goodness. I mean, they, you know, so, so they trade Porzingis, and now they have room to sign two match players. But which two match players would really want to go and think that they – I mean, that, to me, that would be a, a selfish and, and ego-driven move to think that if you're, if you're really not smart about looking at the business of it all, you know, even two max stars there, the, the whole franchise has been mismanaged to the point, why would you even want to go there, um, even as, as, a, as a star? And if it's all about the money and if it's all about ego and saying, I'm going to be the one to turn this franchise around, then okay, I can see where you'd want to do that. But if you're talking about a true team situation, I don't think Kyrie has a better team situation than he's got now. Plus, people forget about the money. I know people say, oh, $80 million when you're talking about $150 million isn't much. But you know what? Yeah, it kind of is. You know, $80 million is $80 million. And the Celtics are in a position where this summer they can offer him that much more than anybody else can because of the, the, the status of, of uh, his contracts and, and his and because the Celtics own his rights, so I don't know that he'd leave eighty million on the table, especially when there's a chance that the Celtics could go out and get Anthony Davis also. And oh, hey, by the way, the Celtics are still doing not bad in their current situation. So I, I just think there's a lot of noise. Steve Bullpen put it much more eloquently than I did in his column, and it's one worth. Uh, looking back up and, and checking out, it ran a couple of days ago in the Herald and on uh, Herald BostonHerald.com, and it's worth looking for because it really cut through a lot of this noise. Excellent. Um, going back to Maine a little bit, the news coming out uh, yesterday: the MPA football committee officially uh, voted unanimously to recommend an eight-man football class comprised of ten teams for the 2019. Uh, season. Don't know if you saw, but Marshwood is be moving up to Class A now, and they're are gonna they're gonna stick with the you know four classes uh, in eleven man A through D. The, originally they were talking about just doing A through C, but they're sticking with A through D. 
Um, but there were some complaints. Marshwood's AD isn't happy because there's a huge difference between their population and Thorne Academy. But we were talking about how you can never please everyone with this stuff, right? <laughs> no, there's, there's, there's no way. I mean, as long as the Maine Principals Association insists on using school size as the sole determining factor of, of classification, you're never going to find – there's always going to be a gap between the bottom team and the top team. Maine is, is uh, economically, socially, uh, and physically diverse in its region, and there is no way uh, by just straight numbers are you ever going to get complete equity uh, in anything that you're doing for classification. There just isn't. It's not possible, right? Even Class D, you're looking at, at uh, now football's not so, so, so bad because uh, football, uh, a lot of the smallest schools just simply cannot play the sport right. because they don't have enough players in general. But for the most part, I mean, you look at, look at soccer, right? Look at soccer. Some of these schools have 40 kids, and they're in a classification where they're playing schools with uh, 200 or 199 kids. Okay, so that doesn't seem like physically that's not a lot, like you're talking a difference of 149 kids. But look at it by percentage. Look at how much more these schools, some schools are three times bigger than the other schools in their conference, right? Now, uh, look at, at football, and Marshwood's complaining about um, Gordon Academy. Gordon Academy is not three times bigger than Marshwood, so from a perspective of, of, of percentage, um, it's less striking than that that I mentioned in the, in the soccer realm. Mm. So um, from a percentage-wise, and you know what? Marshwood has been so dominant and so good, and their program is so strong then I think the, the, it comes off as we want to keep dominating in our division and we don't want to go up because we don't want to get beat. And to me, not, I'm sure that's not what they mean, but that's what it comes off as to me. Um, I haven't heard, has, has anybody in Wells complained about what, what that, that happened? Because I believe Wells got bumped yeah. up. Yeah, right Wells now, got right? bumped up. I haven't heard any complaints yet, but they did get bumped up. <laughs> and so, But again, they're another program. You know what? And, and they've been very, very... Uh, on, on message, uh, when people ask, why don't you move up? And they've been saying, well, because that's where the MPA puts us, right? And so, to me, now that they've moved up, they, they shouldn't, and I don't think they will, because I think that, that organization understands. Uh, I, and it has to be tiring for Wells and for Marshwood and some of these teams that were placed where they were but could have gone up um, to to keep just, just to keep winning. I mean, you're not you know, I'm not advocating being in a division where you're going to lose all the time either. I mean, that, that's, that's ridiculous also. But, you know, you want to be competitive. And to me, rolling over all but one team on your schedule, like Marshall and Tenenbaum have had some great battles, right, um, yeah. in the last several years. But that was the only game during the season that you, you knew you were going to get a competitive game. Wouldn't you want a competitive game more often for the, for the good of the program and for the good of your, your, for your players? Uh, so to me, I think the, the uh, it comes off as whining, and I'm not sure that that's what they mean by it. But at the same time, suck it up, check it out, see if you can be competitive. Yeah. And, and if you can't, then maybe petition back down uh, and, and kind of gripe then. But, you know, for now, it's, it's a little early for them to be to be complaining about that. And they're going back to Crabtree points, heel points, last two years, back to Crabtree. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> Well, you know, either way, there's no perfect way to do it, right? Yeah. And and uh, there just isn't. There's just, there's no perfect way um, uh, to to do it. Uh, crab trees were a little bit better for football, I think. Uh, I think heels work just fine. Um, it's it's awkward for many schools, but 
I think the biggest villain, not villain, villain's the wrong word, but um, <laughs> the, biggest, the biggest problem, I think, overall, uh, unfortunately, is the conference structure that you see in Maine sports. Uh, conferences in general are outdated. Uh, they're overemphasized. Uh, and I think that until someone realizes, until someone acknowledges, figures out, and allows it to change, that conference, the conference, current conference structure uh, is is flawed uh, and needs to be changed. I don't think you're going to get anything in better than the heel points because not enough teams that compete against each other in the playoffs play each other in the regular season. And I think you can change that, but you need to do away with or at least alter the current conference structure: uh, KBC, MBC, WMC, SMAA, etc. Um, in some sports, they've been able to to go outside and do that. Um, hockey, for instance, uh, has very little to do with conferences uh, anymore. Uh, they still have a KBAC championship in, in hockey, but uh, that really means that that of all the championships, that really means the least. Uh, uh, but in general, I think um, as long as uh, the conference structure is in place, heels are probably your best way to do it. And with football, because the conferences are different than everybody else, and because the schedules are more structured to be similar. Uh, I think Crabtrees are just fine uh, also. Certainly. So, um, Justin Pelletier, anything else we should look for on the Boston Herald besides the Super Bowl that you have planned in terms of coverage, or is it just all football right now this weekend? Well, I, I mean, we've got, some, we've got some fantastic football stuff coming. We've got nine pages of Super Bowl coverage on yeah. Sunday coming. There you um, go. <laughs> and it'll be all be online. It'll all be available online um, at bostonherald.com slash Super Bowl. Uh, but uh, in addition to that, I mentioned uh, Marissa's forthcoming uh, piece uh, on women in hockey. That'll be in about a week and a half or so. Uh, that should drop just about the same time as the women's all-star game, National Women's Hockey League all-star game, so that'll be really timely. Um, our Celtics beat writer Mark Murphy is working on a really nice long-form piece uh, uh, that should drop in a couple of weeks as well about a very popular uh, a young man that plays for the Celtics, so we'll be looking out for that one uh, next week or the week after as well on that. So some of the really exciting projects coming to fruition here, and of course, as always, the Super Bowl. Uh, and I do want to leave you with this one. I think the Pats are going to win. I think the Pats are going to win uh, by nine points in this game. So there's All right. By nine points. All right. That, if you nail that, you're going to replace Tony Romo in the broadcast booth really, for true. predictions. Uh, so. You know, I, I'm going to try to keep up with that passer from Scott Hegan, right? Yeah. He, picked, <laughs> he said 10 points, so you're pretty close. He you're did. Close. I think he said, what, 34-24? Yes. Yep. Yeah. All right. So, Pat's by nine, according to Justin Pelletier. All right. Thanks so much for joining us on the B-List, as always. Really appreciate it. You got it. Take care, guys. Take care.